0: Thank you, Doc. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would, turn to uh, Luke chapter number 19. And I was a little bit nervous. I thought Brother Getch was going to preach my message. And uh, But thank you for being here this morning. I know that you had many different opportunities that you could have decided to do, but you decided to be here this morning. And so I want to commend you for that. But uh, just a reminder, don't forget about Dr. Shetler's class at 1.30. He was super nervous before the service that you were all gonna forget about his class. And uh, so he told Dr. Gibbs, please Nick, take an announcement and announce it. Just take 10 seconds to announce it. But really, they're gonna forget about it. And I'll be the only one in the classroom. And they don't even show up because they think they won't need to come to class. So okay, you have class at 1.30. Where are those folks at? All right, just tell Dr. Schottler right now. We will be there. We will be there. Okay, all three of them will be, okay? So I'm not sure how many you have in your class, but you'll have three. But um, that's a blessing. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed Sunday. Well, Wasn't Sunday a blessing? And, and Brother Scheller, those were great messages regarding uh, reaching the lost and having a, being a witness for the Lord. And as you think about it, um, our mission as a church here at Lancaster Baptist, um, our mission as a college and even our mission as individual Christians. We are to evangelize the world with the gospel of Christ. I mean, that's why we're here. We are here to take the life-changing message of Jesus Christ to every person that we possibly can. Because the gospel is for everyone. For everyone. I think sometimes in our minds we think the gospel is just for this group of people or for this individual. We need to realize the gospel is for everyone. Amen. You know, God came into this world and he gave his life for every single human being. In John 3:17, the Bible says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is the faithful saying and worthy of all expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Since Jesus is the only one and the only Savior of the world, we must de- declare him to everyone that we possibly can. I think all of us would agree with that. I think we would all agree that yes, we need to take this message and we need to declare it. We say that corporately. And we all say a hearty amen, praise God. But we need to take it personally. I need to realize that God wants to use me to take this life-changing message to this community. And you need to come to the point of realization that God wants to use you to take this life-changing message to the people that God leads across your path today. And that's why the Bible says in Mark 16, 15, go ye, singular, that's you, that's me, into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now when I think of his mission, referring to Christ's mission, is there a better statement that defines that than Luke 19, 10? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now I know that's a very familiar scripture, but I just want you to think about these four words. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So first of all this morning, let's look at the reality. The reality. Jesus Has already come. We need to acknowledge that Jesus came. You know, the Bible says in John chapter number 10 and verse number 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus stepped into this world with a grand mission. And that mission was to give his life so that others might be able to live. Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man has come not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Listen, Jesus came with a purpose, and that purpose was the cross. And aren't you thankful that he fulfilled his mission? Nothing would derail him from completing God's will for his life. I mean, that was the, the, his meat, the Bible says, that brought fulfillment to him, was to finish the mission that God had called him to do. We need to acknowledge that Jesus came, but not only that, we need to anticipate his coming. Jesus is closer coming today than he was on Sunday. Jesus is coming again. We used to sing that song growing up. Coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening. It will be soon. Jesus is coming again. We have... have, have, We've had several dogs in our, in our, in our family history. Um, I guess I wouldn't be the best um, animal owner, I guess you'd call it. Uh, we've kind of gone through a lot of dogs. But our last dog was probably our favorite. And uh, was, all our kids were raised, all, we're empty nesters now, and so we thought, you know what? We need to have a dog. So we got a, we got a black lab, we call him Black Jet, we call him Jet for, for short. But Jet was a great dog. I mean, I mean he, he really was a, a good companion. He, he he was a puppy and he had a lot of energy and I liked that. And and I would take him mountain biking with me and he'd run the trails with me as I rode my bike and and he got so excited sometimes I even ran him over a few times. Um, just a little bit dumb, he kind of would kind of run right in front of me. I couldn't stop. Boom, boom. You okay, Jet? Yeah, 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 you know. And it was just an amazing dog. And but one thing about Jet though. He was an outside dog when we weren't home. And when we left the house to come to work, and he would always sit right by that front gate. And I'm not sure if he moved throughout the day, because every time we drove up, didn't matter if it was five o'clock, or six o'clock, or seven o'clock at night, he'd be sitting right there at that gate. And he'd be so excited, his tail would be wagging, and, and he'd be barking, and, and just getting, jumping on the fence. He was just anticipating, Our arrival. It didn't matter. We we tried sometimes even to sneak up on him, and he'd be just waiting for us. Because he knew once we got home, it was jet time. It was time for him to get loosed out of the backyard, and we played catch, and I'd throw the ball, and he would fetch it, and and we would just do that. It didn't matter what time we got home. He'd need one hour. And we would just play this over and over and over again. But he was always waiting for us at that front gate. Are you waiting for his return? You know, the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We see, first of all, we see the reality. But then, second of all, we see this the resolve. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save. The resolve to seek. Have you ever lost something before? I mean, I lose something like almost every day. I'm a dumper, I lay things down all the time, and I forget where, I mean, I lose my keys, I lose my wallet, and I need to get one of those Apple tracking things or whatever, I think I'd have to buy so many of them, and I don't know where I would put on my wallet, my keys, you know, my wife, you know, I just put them everywhere. Um, you know, I know there's some parents in here, and I'm sure all of us, we've all misplaced our kids before, right? Have you ever done that, where you just lost your kids? How many parents have you left a kid at home, you thought the other one had the child, but you left him at home, we did that too, you know? Um, Child service has been called on us, you know, because we've left our kids, you know? Uh, Probably the worst, though, was when we were traveling back to Chicago, and uh, our youngest son was probably about about four years old or so, we were at the airport, and my wife you know, said, hey, why don't you take you know Jacob and you know take him to the bathroom before we, we load up on the plane. I said, sure. And she, then she kind of gave me that you know that warning. I don't know why wives do this. You know, don't lose him. You know, yeah, okay, hon, I'm gonna lose our son in the airport. You know, hello, you know. So we got we go into the men's room and so Jacob wanted to go into his little stall, so he went in his, I went in mine and got done, I got out and so I washed my hands, kind of look around, said, Oh, he must be still taking care of business in there. And so I'm um, washed my hands, dried my hands, and he's still. And I saw, thought, "Where's he at?" So, I kind of went over to the stall and kind of looked, and and you know, I didn't see those little feet kind of hanging down. You know, I saw some big feet, and I'm thinking, Jacob, yeah? Jacob, yeah? and I'm thinking, "Where would he go?" And yeah, you know, I didn't lose him. I just kind of just lost him temporarily, and uh, and so you know, you know, you know as, as dads, we try to be cool, calm, and collective. We're not going to be nervous about anything, and. You know, so I, I think, okay, I, I better find him, you know. And so I'm kind of walking out of the bathroom, kind of, Jacob, Jacob. I'm trying to find Jacob, you know, Jacob. And I'm getting a little bit nervous now, because you know, you're at the airport, and you know, who knows, and now this is about about a minute now. And I come around the corner, and there she was. The she is my wife. You know, that meek and quiet spirit woman you know she's standing there and she's looking at me and she has this face of i don't know if i should kill you or scratch your eyeballs out or choke you or and she said this you lost them and i said well no not not quite i just can't find them right now and so so now it's about 2 minutes into this now now your 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 mind is going all right, he's already on the plane going to Columbia. We'll never see him again. <laughs> and, um, and so now we're running around the airport screaming, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob! We're running around, you know, Jacob! And all of a sudden, we heard this on the speaker. Brother Furso, please come to the TWA counter. Not dad, not Jerry Furso, brother Furso. <laughs> and I'm thinking, pastor's here. You know, you know. I'm thinking, what in the world? So I go over there, and there was the, the flight attendant, and, and there was Jacob. And she goes, brother, for so? I said, yeah, dad. You know, I'm dad. You sure? You're not, are you brother? No, I, I'm dad. And so I grabbed him, and I didn't know what to do with him. I'll be honest with you. There was a part of me I just wanted to spank him right there. There was another part of me I just wanted to hug and kiss on him. And and you you just, when you lose something, man, listen, we weren't going to stop until we found him. Okay? I mean, there was that resolve that no matter what, we were going to bust onto every airplane and we're going to look. We're going to look in every little cabinet. We were going to find him. We were going to have that resolve. Do you realize that Jesus came to seek every lost soul? And I love Second Peter three nine, where the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I see. First of all, I see His righteous promise. One day, listen, God will make all things right. Now think about that. One day, God will make all all the wrongs, he's going to make them right. God will judge this world. God's going to judge this world. Just like God judged the world back in Noah's day by the flood. He will judge mankind once again. And Philippians 2 tells us that. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, those that reject Christ, those that laugh at us, those that despise Christ. Listen, every knee will bow and will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but then we see his loving patience, but his long-suffering to us word. Now, how many of you consider yourself as a patient person? You're a patient person. Okay, a lot of you are not, then. Okay, all right. All right. But guess, are you patient, or are you, no, you're not patient? How many of you are like this? You're, you're at a stoplight, and... And uh, okay, we'll have confession time, okay? I'd be father for so, okay? (laughs) How many of you look at your cell phone at a stoplight? Raise your Uh hand, okay, Brother (laughs) (laughs) Spade. I know you're in that little red Corvette, you don't think we can see you, but we can see you. Yeah, we do that, right? Now guys, I want you to know this, marriage is a wonderful thing, and one of the blessings of marriage You have a full-time driver instructor right next to you all the time. Every time you're on. Yeah, she's right there. It's amazing. I I don't know how I would be, how I was able to drive without my wife before I got married. I I never knew that when it went green, you're supposed to go. I didn't know that. But the moment I got married, my wife told me, said, okay, hey, it's green, it's time to go. Oh, well, thank you, honey. I, I didn't know that. And you go, know, hey, 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 honey, there, there's a stop sign coming. Uh, yeah, S-T-O-P? Yeah, stop. Oh, Okay, honey, thank you. And then sometimes when she doesn't talk, she kind of, if you don't mind me, I'll do this. She kind of holds my leg. <laughs> it's not that she's being romantic. She just holds my leg. It's like, honey, do you see that car right there? Yeah, honey, I do see that car. Oh this is the greatest one. All right. This, this one just kind of blows my mind. Here she is. We're driving at night. She's over there. Hey, are, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Yeah, honey. The last ten minutes I was sleeping while you were sleeping. And she just said, I'm not sleeping. Honey. She like, I thought you were dozing off. I said, you were dead out, cold. You were snoring. You had drool. It's amazing, you know. So sometimes what I have to do to kind of keep her just in line is just tell her, "Honey, do you want to drive?" Oh, oh no, honey. You do a. Gra- you're, you're the world's greatest driver. Yeah, right. I can't get this on Earth. But you, you think about those people. they as soon as that light turns to me, man, they're honking. I'm too, I am so thankful that God is long suffering. Aren't you thankful that God's been long suffering towards you? Amen. Now I know some of you got saved at an early age and some of us got saved later on. But I, tell you, I am so thankful for his long suffering. You know, Brother Shetler talked about his dad getting saved, and Brother Shell, I was just reminded about when my dad got saved I got saved as a teenager and I started witnessing to my dad and my dad didn't want anything to do with Jesus or Christianity or any of that And he, I mean he just he didn't want anything to do with it he wasn't like mean about it he was just very direct I don't want to hear it it's fine if you like it don't tell me about it okay dad I'd still witness to him, try to talk to him. Nope, 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 nope. I'm just so thankful that God was patient. I remember sitting in a college service like this when I was in Bible college, and I heard a message on Psalms 126, 5 and 6, and and about this time now I've been about six, seven years into praying for my dad. And I wrote out my in my in my Bible that I'm claiming. Psalms 126, five and six, as my soul winning promise to see my dad saved. I wrote the date down and and I prayed for my dad every single day. Now my dad got close, he got close. He, He got to the point where he says, okay son, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I said, dad, you can't do it for me. And he got stuck there for about two, three years until Father's Day, June 16th, 1991. It was my last service at my home church before we moved out here. And on that Sunday morning, I got a phone call from my sister and said, hey, dad got rushed to the hospital. We don't know what's going on, he, he's lost his sight, and we don't, we don't know what's going on. Can you come up here real quick? I said, well, I gotta teach my class, and after class, I'll, I'll, I'll come up to the hospital. So I drove up to up, um, um, Palos Hills, went to the hospital, walked into the room, and uh, my dad was still in the, the ER room. And I said, what's, what's going on? He said, I, I just, I lost my sight. We didn't realize this. My dad had cancer before that, and we thought it was kind of like in, in, uh, in remission, but it, it, it came back, and basically the tumor... That's why he lost his, his eyesight there in the hospital for a bit. Anyway, that afternoon, they got transferred to a room, and, and it was about 1.30 in the afternoon. I asked my, sister, my two sisters, my brother, if they would kind of let me have a few moments with my dad alone. And so I started talking to my dad, and I walked up to his bedside, and I said, Dad, I said, don't you think it's time that you get saved? And he sat up in his bed and he looked at me and said, son, you're right. He said, I'm ready. So I opened up the scriptures and shared the gospel once again with my dad. And on that Father's Day, it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, my dad accepted Christ as his Savior. After taking a few more minutes with him, I said, hey, I'm going to catch up with the family, get a bite to eat, we're going to come back upstairs. I said, okay. So we went down to the cafeteria, we ate, we came back upstairs. My dad was sleeping. And during his sleep, he slipped into a coma. And that night, he stepped into eternity. To my knowledge, I was the last person to talk to him. And I don't know how thankful that I am that God gave me that one more opportunity to share the gospel with my dad. Now listen, there's people that God will give us today to share the gospel with them at this moment and we can't miss it. We have to seize this opportunity. Ezekiel thirty three eleven says this, Say unto them, as I, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? His loving patience. And then we see his passionate pursuit, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. About three weeks ago, I met a gentleman named Friday. It's kind of a unique name, isn't it? Um, He's from Nigeria. And so I kind of asked him, I mean, you know, asked him a question, okay. I said, okay, why did your parents call you Friday? What's, what's behind that? He kind of laughed. He said, I was born on Friday. So they called me Friday. I said, wow, that's unique. I said, really, they called you Friday because, I mean, what happens if you got, was born on Wednesday? Would they name you Wednesday? I don't know, maybe they might call me Friday, even though I was, named, you know, was born on Wednesday. <laughs> to me, it was, just, it was a name I was never going to forget, you know what I mean? Like Nebuchadnezzar, you're never going to forget that, right? Hey, Nebby, you know? Uh, but Friday. And so three weeks ago, I went into Friday's home and sitting in his living room, and I started witnessing to him. And now Friday was, you could tell he was a religious man. I mean, he, 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 you would say he, he was spiritual. He had... He knew the Bible enough to be dangerous. Okay? He just had spiritual truth, but it was all kind of mixed together. And, and, you know, bottom line, he was mixing faith with works. I mean, that was his problem. And he could not separate the two. He he couldn't understand the concept of grace, he couldn't understand unmerited favor. He, He didn't realize, he couldn't grasp just that truth that that we have no part in salvation. I I mean, I shared, you Matthew five and verse three, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I said, listen, that's not talking about financially poor, it talks about being spiritually bankrupt. There's nothing we can offer to God, spiritually, that would gain us entrance into heaven. We are spiritually bankrupt, We, we have nothing we have nothing to offer god nothing <clears throat> we are we are broke but he just couldn't understand that he struggled with that and i, I gave him a book to read and, and he came to church and he invited his, his friend with him and her name was nancy and and i met nancy and her uh, three daughters and so that next thursday i went to visit nancy and sitting in her living room and Talked to Nancy and her three daughters, and they're from Nigeria, and and all four of them got saved. (coughs) And that Sunday, they they followed the Lord and believed his baptism, and and Friday saw that, and he he thought, wait a second, (coughs) why are they doing that? And I told him, well, they made a decision. They realized that they needed a Savior. He still wasn't able to comprehend grace yet. Well, Nancy also had a son named uh, Obi. And I didn't meet Obi yet, but, but Nancy and the girls were going to be on the, on the, the Monday night program for Leadership Conference. So they, they were part of the program. So Obi came. They wanted, he wanted to see his mom and his three sisters in the program. And so afterwards, I talked to Obi. I said, Obi, what did you think of the program? Man, that was great how they were up there. Now, why were all they up there? What, why was my mom up there? Why was my three sisters up there? And I began to talk to Obi about, about Jesus and what Jesus has done for him. And right there in that corner over there, on Monday night, a leadership conference, O.B. prayed, accepted Christ as his Savior. Last Thursday, I asked my class, I I normally don't ask a lot of prayer requests. You know, I like to get the prayer requests from the kids, from the students. But I say, would you do me a favor, pray for this man. You're not going to forget his name. His name is Friday. And just pray that on Thursday, Friday, he gets saved. Just pray for that. I have an appointment to see him. Pray for him. And so my wife and I, we went late Thursday night and uh, talked to Friday, of course, and then his son. I met Kevin, who's uh, 19, 20 years old, and then I met um, Michelle, which is Friday's daughter, and she's a teenager. So we sat in the backyard and we're sitting there and going through the gospel, and, and I just saw the kids, man. The kids were just, I mean, you know, Kevin's a football player. He plays defensive back and for A.V. College. And, you know, strong young man. And, but, man, I saw tears just kind of flowing down his eyes. I said, wow, well, you know, he's getting it. And I looked at Michelle, and she's crying. Now, then I looked at Friday, and I'm thinking, man, don't blow this Friday. You know, your kids are ready. And all of a sudden, I saw a tear escaping his eye. We got down to the end, and I said, Friday, do you realize what Jesus has done? He says, I understand now. And I said, Friday, do you, do you want to make this decision? He said, of course I do. And Kevin and Michelle, and they, they all prayed as a family and accepted Christ as their Savior. Listen, we see the, not with the reality, but we see the resolve to seek. To seek. We have to go looking. I, 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 honestly, I don't know how many thousands of doors I've knocked out. I think maybe, I, I, I remember one where I really didn't have to seek. I could take you to the very house it was a Friday afternoon, I, I grabbed the staff member, I said, hey, listen, we got a staff meeting. We, we got about 30 minutes, let's go knock on some doors. So I grabbed that staff member, we went over to Eastside Lancaster. I walked up this door and, and I, heard, I, heard, I heard noise inside, so I knew someone was home. So I knocked, nice and easy. No answer, well, I'm gonna knock a little bit louder, knock a little louder, rang the doorbell. And there was something in me, someone's gonna answer this door, I'm gonna make someone answer this door. This is all before ring and, and all that stuff, cameras. So I pounded. All of a sudden, you know, I heard the footsteps coming to the door. And they swung the door open. And the guy goes, What do you want? And I said, I'm, I'm John Getch. I'm from Lancaster Baptist Church. <laughs> you think I was going to give my name? No way. I gave my name. And I, he said, No way. I said, Yeah. He's I can't believe it, come inside. I said, okay. So we walked inside, we sat in his room, and this tells you how long ago, he had a huge TV. I mean, it was one of those big mammoth ones. I mean, I mean, it was not that big, but it was big. <laughs> and so, he's, he's going through, he says, you wouldn't believe what I was doing. I said, what were you doing? It was during, you know, playoffs. I said, you're watching the game. I said, it'd be pretty cool to watch a playoff game. He said, no. He said, I went to church Sunday. I don't even remember the name of the church, he said. But the guy mentioned heaven. And I had no clue what he was talking about, but I knew one thing. If there's a heaven, I want to know that I'm going there. He said, I just prayed and asked the Lord to help me to find the right station to get the right preacher that would tell me about heaven. And after I prayed, I started going through the stations, and all of a sudden I heard someone knocking on my door. <laughs> I was getting excited. And I said to him, I said, Well, guess what? I am your answer to your prayer. <laughs> he kind of looked at me. He said, Yeah, I think you are. And honestly, he got saved. But probably every other person that I ever witnessed to I was seeking after that one he kind of found me the resolve you have that we see the reality Jesus come to seek and then to save we see the redemption redemption has been provided through Christ and his cross the gospel, the good news of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Acts 4, 12, there's neither salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But here it is, redemption must be claimed. They've gotta accept it. But then we see the reason. The reason that Jesus came came for the lost. He came to rescue us. Because we're all sinners. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all unclean thing, and even our righteousness are as filthy rags. Jesus entered this world to rescue you and me from our sin. And I know we all understand that. We, we understand the reality. We understand the resolve that we need to have. We understand the redemption. We understand the reason. But here it is. Finally, what's our response? Now think about Jesus' mission. And I'll just say it Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I believe his mission parallels with the mission that we've been given. In John chapter 20, verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Do You see how they're, they mirror one another? Jesus came to seek and to save. Jesus has commissioned us. As I was sent into this world, No, now I send you into this world. We are commanded to be his witness. We are compelled to be his witness. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus told his disciples, lift up your eyes, look into the fields, for they are white already unto the harvest. So here's the question. Why don't we? Why don't we witness like we ought to? That's all of us. That's me. That's Dr. Getch. That's Dr. Shetler. All of us. Why don't we witness like we ought to? I, 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 don't, I, I don't think because We're fearful. I don't think that's it. I don't think it's fear. I don't fear plays a factor in it. The fear of people, the fear of how they view us, the fear of failure. Is it because we're frail? Is it because we're fickle? Is it because we're just not faithful like we should be? Or is it because we're just fleshly? I think sometimes it's good for us to take a step back and say, okay, why am I not being faithful and fervent in, in spreading the message of Christ? Because we all know it's the answer. But here it is. Did we talk to anybody yesterday about that answer? So if not, why not? I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but we need, sometimes we need to say, okay, why? <coughs> we believe that Jesus is the answer. We believe in the cross. We're thankful the tomb is empty. We're thankful we serve a resurrected Savior. But why don't we? Why don't we have that resolve and that passion and that desire and that longing in our heart to see people come to Christ like we should? Why aren't we broken? Why aren't we moved by the lostness of the people around us? Why what we see hasn't affected our heart. And I, I, I've been thinking about this doc, and I'm thinking, what is it? What's missing? And this is what I think. We have lost the awe of our salvation. We have lost the wonder of it all. You think about marriage? I I couldn't wait to get married. I couldn't wait till that preacher said, now you may kiss your bride. Oh, you ready? Here it comes. Pucker up, baby. Man, I couldn't wait. And it wasn't a peck. I'm not sure if you know that's Greek, Okay. Ask Brother Spaeth about that later, what that means. It wasn't a peck. A peck is like you were kissing your mom on the cheek. Uh-uh. We are legal now. I remember our preacher telling us, now now make sure that your kiss is very, you know, sacred. And I wanted to say, okay, what's a sacred kiss? Are you talking about Seconds? Yeah, Whew. <laughs> come here, baby. Okay, wait a second now. Hey, forty-two years later now. Hey, I see you later. Forty-two years later now. Now, that, now there's a little, little pet. You know why marriages fall apart? They've lost the wonder. You know why we don't tell people people about Jesus like we should? We've lost the wonder of that cross. We begin thinking like, we wouldn't say it, but we act it. God's lucky he has me. I'm not like everyone else. We're not like everyone else. We're kind of special. We need to be spiritually broken, And we need to keep that cross so fresh in our hearts. We need to look at that cross and think, Jesus, I did not deserve what you did for me on that cross. When you hung on that cross and when you said those words, Father, forgive them. You were talking about me. And Jesus said, it is finished. He did it for me. I don't, listen, I don't want to get over that. I don't want my salvation to be like, yeah, I'm saved. What's going to keep you? What, what has kept me? I'm point, and I've, I've failed many, multiple times. Where I've drifted and kind of lost the wonder of it all. But what keeps my heart engaged in this mission is realizing that Jesus Christ rescued me from an eternity separated from him. He rescued me. And listen, if you're saved, he has rescued you. And today, We are on a search and rescue mission. We are here this morning, not, listen, not just to invite people, I'm all for inviting. But we ought to to look and search and rescue those that are lost and dying and facing an eternity apart from Christ. And what's gonna keep us on point is that cross as we personalize it that we realize that jesus died for you take a moment right now and just ponder and meditate about the cross bow your heads